0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله حمدا كثيرا طيبا مباركا فيه مباركا عليه كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد Firstly, I'm extremely honoured to be in the midst of all of these great people and uh, very honoured to be invited by the Jamiyatul Ulama here and Mona Shaib sahab, Mufti Abdul Muntaqim sahab and the other Hadarat <laughs> who are here and to be in the, mashallah, the company again of Hazrat Mawlana Mahmud Madani sahab as well and of course in your company on this Sunday night we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this extremely beneficial for us uh, In the few minutes that I have, I just want to quickly go through some of the life of uh, Hazrat Maulana Hussain Ahmad Madni Rahmatullahi alayhi. but the purpose of going through this is not just to tell you where he was born and when he died the idea is that we're trying to take a few lessons from this we had one great Hazrat Maulana Madni Sahab Rahmatullahi who has inspired so many different people and you know this is why we're sitting here in London um, Allah knows best whether he ever thought that this would have happened maybe he did But this is really amazing. So what we want to do today is we want to think, how can we tow this line? How can we also do something? Yes, you who are sitting here. Because if you look at Hazrat Madni he didn't come from some big city of India. He came from the Eastern U.P. side in a little district of the Faizabad. I actually checked Faizabad on the map today. It's actually north of Ilahabad. It's several hundred kilometers away from Delhi. So it's a, it's away from the main center. It's away from Deoband as well. Deoband is in western UP. Deoband, Saharanpur, Muradha It's about three hours, four hours from Delhi. That's closer to the western side. This is the eastern side. His father, uh, Sayyid Habibullah. They they are descendants of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and several generations before that they had come to the subcontinent. But his, his father, Sayyid Habibullah, Rahimahullah, he was a headmaster in a school. So you think he's just some kind of headmaster. But the wonderful thing that I just discovered is that he was actually a Khalifa of uh, Mawlana Fadr Rahman, Ganj Muradabadi So he's a, head, he's a head teacher. His son studies in their hometown uh, for about 12 years, in, in two different places, for about 12 years or something and then after that, after primary school, he does his primary school and at the age of 12, he then goes to Darlum Deoband. This was in 1891, he was born in 1879. 1879, so that's well over a hundred years already. 1891 is when he goes to Darulum Deoband. Now, here there was Shaykh al-Hind, Mawlana mahmud al-Hasan He paid special attention to him. In fact, He taught him many books personally. Despite the fact that Hazrat Mawla Mahmoud Hassan was so busy, he wouldn't give time, extra time out of the class hours to even some of the other uh, older students. But for some reason, he saw something in this young boy who had come from this area, and he gave him very special attention. People are generally made by others. You don't make yourself by just claiming something. Today, people on YouTube, etc., they want to make themselves, so they promote themselves by criticizing others, as though putting others down will put you up. This is a big problem. People make you. You have to submit to someone. So, al Hind had special attention paid to him, and then after that, he went back to his birthplace, back to his hometown, and then after that, his father decided... Now, you can see somebody in India at that time, Who's in this eastern area of UP suddenly takes it in his heart to go and make hijrah to Medina Munawwara. To go to Medina Munawwara and decide to leave everything while it's in the hearts of many people that they may hope to do this, just like a dream. But there's very few people who make that a reality. He went, his father went, and the whole family went with him at that time. So they all went to Medina Munawara. This is after. Uh, Hazrat Shaykh uh, Hazrat Hussain Mahdi had, uh, had, had graduated. Before departing, though, he went to, he gave bay'ah to Hazrat Maulana Rashid Ahmad Gangohi. So he gave him the Pledge of Allegiance, the spiritual Pledge of Allegiance. So he became his Mureed. His, his, his Shaykh Shaykh Rashid Ahmad Gangohi told him that I'm not going to give you any dhikr. I want you to go, when you go to Makkah Mukarramah, you will see my Shaykh there, who is Haji Imdadullah, who had migrated to Makkah Mukarramah. And I want you to take the dhikr from him. So finally, when they went to Makkah Mukarramah, it was some time before the Hajj. So they went to meet Haji Imdadullah rahmatullahi alayhi, and they used to attend, him and his brother, they used to attend uh, Haji Imdadullah's gathering, of Dhikr. Then finally came Hajj and then he went to Medina Munawwara and he moved there. Now what's very interesting is that at that time, the Indians, people of the subcontinent had a lot of influence in the Haramain. In fact, Haji Sab said, his, Haji Sab's advice was that if you want the dunya, then stay in Jidda. If you want the dunya, then stay in Jidda. If you want the deen and the dunya, then stay in Makkah, Mukarramah. And if you want just the Akhirah, just the deen, then go to Madinah Munawwara. And the reason for this is that, mashallah, the Indians were very well established in Makkah Mukarramah and in Jidda. So you could easily do good business there, and you could get the dunya and akhirah inside Makkah. But in Medina Munawwara, there were less opportunities. There was a life of struggle in those days. Right, there was a life of struggle, but they had decided to go to Medina Munawwara. His father sat down with the whole family, his, his wife and the family, and he said, look, this is what our struggle is. We need to start some business. They started a small business, but they realized that it's not going to produce enough. However, for Mawlana Hussain Ahmad Maddin, he remembered that his teacher on his way out, when he, had, uh, when he had seen him off to go to the Hijaz, he had told him, don't ever stop teaching. You need to continue this tradition. So. He went back to India once and on his return he started teaching. He would teach in the Masjid al Nabawi. Very difficult to do that now. But in those days he used to teach there for about 12 hours. That was a difficult time for him because he would not take any money for teaching. Despite the fact that they didn't have much money. That was a time of struggle. That was a time of struggle, mashallah. That was a time of struggle. But in the ma'al usri yusra. Mashallah. Our uh, Hazrat Mawlana Sahib, they're all benefiting from this struggle now, mashallah, the Barakah, right? So, 12 hours straight he would teach. In 1914, his sheikh came, Shaykh Mahmud al-Hassan, rahmatullahi and with him he went for Hajj. Some years later, his Shaykh was finally arrested because he had started this galvanizing the people against the British. Long story, I can't get into that right now. So, Shaykh... Uh, Hussein Ahmad Madni Rahmatullah joined him for Hajj and then eventually, when Sheikh Al Hind was going to be imprisoned in Malta, right? I actually visited Malta about ten, uh, about, uh, about 10 years ago, in fact, to try to look for this place where were they imprisoned, right? Mawlana, Hazrat Maulana Hussein Ahmad Madni Rahmatullah decided to actually go with him. He wasn't incriminated for anything, but he decided to go with his Sheikh. So that he can accompany him and be at his service for three years, he stayed in Malta with his sheikh. Now you can see how this person is being built—a person who comes from this eastern part of UP, from this small area. You can see how he's being built, how he's benefiting, what his, the, the the sacrifices he's providing, right? The assistance he's giving to his sheikh. His sheikh must have given him so many du'as, numerous stories about what happened in that prison. You know, this is just literally just a a quick overview. Afterwards, Alhamdulillah, after about three years, but after staying in Malta, they were freed. He was freed, so they returned back to India. This is where, in 1920, he became involved in the political work with with the Indian Congress and so on, because there was this critical moment at that time of the British causing all the issues there, right? Causing all the issues there. And now there was this whole discussion of the split. Even among the ulama, they had differed. Hazrat (coughs) Mawla Ashraf Ali Tanwi Hakim Ulumad was on the side that yes, it should be uh, separate. There were others who were on that side as well. These were classmates, these were teachers and students. (coughs) Hazrat (coughs) Mawla (coughs) Hussein Ahmad Madhir was very firm on the fact that India had to stay one. Long story, eventually, uh, he, he became. Involved in the political work, and after Sheikhul Hind, passed away. He was considered to be his successor. Like everybody agreed that he would be his successor. Many times afterwards, he was actually imprisoned for his fiery speeches in India by the British. He was, in fact, once up to even two years. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala give the tawfiq to Hazrat Maula Mahmud Sab to follow in the footsteps of his grandfather and give him the successes, but protect him from all of this. Amen. Inshallah. He then remained the president. He, he then became the president of the Jamiatul Ulama for about 20 years. During this time, in 1928, the Shaykhul Hadith of Dalum Dauban resigned. There was this exodus. There was a number of scholars that, for some reason, went to Gujarat to Dabil, from Darul Dauban. and this was none other than Hazrat <coughs> Maulana Anwar Shah Kashmiri, So the position of the Shaykh al-Hadith became empty. Now remember, Mawlana Hazrat Hakim al-Ummat, he's on a different viewpoint with regards to the politics of the time. He's on a different viewpoint. But he has so much honor and respect for Hazrat Mawlana Madni that when the question came up as to who's the next Shaykh al-Hadith, he said, absolutely, he must be the next Shaykh al-Hadith. So there was a unanimous decision to make him the Shaykh al-Hadith of Darlum Dauban. So now you have somebody who's the Sheikhul Hadith of Darlum Dauban. He's also the leader of the Jamiat, Al-Ulama of the time. So he's doing both the political work and he's also doing the Hadith teaching. So eventually, about over 40,000 students graduated under in his hands under his hands during that time and that's why our Mawlana, uh, it said before in the bayan how his teachers all go and uh, many other people will have this uh, this isnad, I have it actually from two shuyukh up to uh, Hazrat Mawlana Madin anyway whatever the, whatever the case is, there's just one last thing that I want to speak before I finish which Hazrat Mawlana Madin actually told me to speak about that one of his main contributions he had numerous contributions, but one of his main contributions and the most probably a very unique feature about him is that he took part in the politics of the time this was as I said a very critical moment in the history of the subcontinent he wasn't a politician just riling people based on emotion or zealotry that's not what he was neither was he a two-faced career politician full of hypocrisy and false promises that's not what he was either he, what set him apart is that he actually had a very intellectual and a well thought out theory on how politics in India can work. That's where he produced this wonderful book which I had an opportunity to read several years ago and I, when I read it I was amazed of, because it actually helps to understand and guide us in this, in this country. While not fully? Because there are differences between the Indian subcontinent and the UK. Because the Muslims here are primarily immigrants. Whereas in the Muslims in, the in, in India are there from thousands of years. So they, got a, they, 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 they can lay claim to the land in a much more stronger way than some of us can here. We're still deciding whether back home is here or there. You know, we still have... a a lot of things to take care of. But this is such a wonderful, wonderful book where it goes into discussion with Allama Iqbal, who was in Pakistan. Allama Iqbal felt that the only way you could come together was under the name of Islam, only Muslims. But uh, Mawlana Hussain ibn Madni, he advocated the coming together of Hindus and Muslims against the common enemy, the British of the time, right? That they can come together under the banner of what he called the Qawmiyyah. Right, under the banner of the Qawmiyyah Right, which is a cosmopolitan What do you call that? Composite nationalism A composite nationalism A nationalism that is based on various different people For the same goal, though they have different religions But you see, this is where we can learn from That while he did this, which eases the way us to work In tandem with other religions in this country he wasn't. He was for plurality but he wasn't for pluralism. The difference between plurality and pluralism, plurality is that we can come together on certain ideas uh, for a common defense against the common enemy, right? which we have no problem with. But pluralism means religious pluralism, that we start to accept every religion as being justified, and that means our religion is, is just one path to God. Right in the real sense of it, that's not what he advocated. He was clear that Islam was unique in in its own way, and in the way that it connects with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. But we can come together. So that's a book that I think anybody who's serious about understanding relationship and plurality in this country should read, because for me it opened up my mind. Now, where did Hazrat get this from? Why such a well thought out uh, philosophy and an approach? which makes him very different from other people Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best he comes out of this village he goes to dalum deoband he stays in malta he has obviously interaction with british and others Right, the Germans and so on, even the Ottomans, and then after that, he stays in Arabia for uh, you know for uh, a decade at least, teaching Hadith, meeting with so many different people. This is what broadens your approach, so that he could come and really understand what Hindustan needed at the time. We ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to benefit us from these great people, that we could also be inspired, us, our children, to do things of this nature in the right way but as hazrat did he had association with a sheikh he did his azkar and his dhikr and that's the one of the most important thing for your heart to remain strong especially when the going gets tough and we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless his family his descendants and to continue this mission through them and allah give us tawfiq as well to follow suit and accept us for the service of his deen wa da'wana anil rabbil alamin